Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello everyone, it's the Analyst Inside Cricket and it's a thumping for England at Lords in the first test. A thumping for me as well because I said they might have a chance and they might get an extra 80 runs and they didn't get even close. In fact, Ian Botham said to me going down in the lift when I said, oh, I think England might get an extra 80 runs today and he went, nah. He said, Jimmy Anderson, he scored five runs in the last 12 innings. He said, what price has he got to get any runs and none of the others will get any either and he was right and so were you. Bastard. Well, you had a go at me last night. You said I was being miserable, I was being grumpy, you know, I was being defeatist, saying that I didn't think England would score enough runs to challenge Pakistan. They scored seven runs today. You know, just seven runs seven. in 26 minutes. They lost their last four wickets. And, and you're just, you've got that expression which says, I told you so. Well, I did tell you so, but you, and you, and you just well, destroyed me. So if, I, but if we always listen to you, we'd all go around with our head between our hands all the time. I am a realist. You probably you probably describe yourself as an optimist. I am a realist. The, the thing was this morning. It's often the way, though, isn't it? You, two players are in. There's the emotion, the crowd, the, the Saturday crowd. They, they got themselves in. They're also batting against the old ball, and they produced a fine partnership, Butler and Bess. It, it becomes a completely different situation when you come out on the fourth day. Everyone's fresh. The bowlers are fresh. It's a completely different day. And the new ball is only a couple of overs away. And, of course, Pakistan had that bonus of getting rid of Butler before the new ball. It might not have made a great deal of difference if they hadn't have done with the new ball. It, it, it did its job very efficiently, mopping up the tail. But it's amazing how a, a different day or different circumstance just helps a, a team in the field. It happened to England in Adelaide uh, on the final day of the Test match there where England did have a, a sniff of, of victory, but Australia just snuffed it out. It's just it's so different, isn't it, when you, when you come back the next day? Mm. Uh, the only thing I have got right is I did say before the Test, I think even before the series started, Mohamed Abbas was the bowler to look out for, and he's been 
almost ignored by a lot of people really before he came and everyone was talking about Mohamed Amir and Shalab Khan, the new leg spin and all that. Mohamed Abbas has just sneaked in under the radar and taken eight English wickets, several of them prize wickets, and he's done it with very simple method, a little bit of in-swing to the right-handers, across the left-handers and some wobble seams that have nipped through the gate. He's got five LBWs in his eight wickets and he's just looked... That, you know, immaculate and, and so disciplined in his line and legs. Exactly the same, actually, as Vernon Philander was against England last year, asking the same questions, and England haven't got many answers. Wicket to wicket, we flagged him up in the, in the pre-match podcast, actually, didn't we? we? Look at his record. It was, it was a remarkable record. In his test career, he was taking his wickets under 20, albeit he hadn't played very much test cricket, but his first-class record, three, over 300 wickets, uh, uh, you know, just above 20, which is a fabulous record on pitches in Pakistan, and we'll hear from Wacky Yunus in, in, in a short while about, about why this was such a remarkable victory. When you compare the pitches that you know we play test cricket on here with the wickets that they played test cricket and first-class cricket on in Pakistan. In fact, why don't we hear from him now, really? Because it was uh, his sort of legacy, in a way, that was handed down with the, with the era of Wazim and Wakar and before them, Imran Khan and so on, that really has led to Pakistan constantly producing these excellent fast bowlers, and that is in conditions which are you know, pretty alien to the ones they played in here. We don't play on, on pitches where there is grass. There are very few grounds in Pakistan, not only the grounds, but the conditions, the overcast conditions. You don't get that uh, cooler weather or the, or, or the cloud cover in Pakistan. You hardly get that. Uh, so uh, that's why I feel that this victory is is massive because the this is a very young team, very young bowling lineup. Apart from uh, uh, Mohammad Amir, who has played in patches in in his career, uh, you know none of them has played that much cricket, and uh, they they have they shown the discipline and and also we play with the different cricket ball. We play with Kookaburra, and coming here and ch- certainly change uh, uh, to to Duke cricket ball. I, I think it was is another. You know, step they took and they learned quickly and uh, and they deliver. So you know, uh, it's, it's nothing like Pakistan. Mohammed Abbas, uh, to me, is is a bowler that is quite an English style bowler in that he runs up. He's not particularly quick. Mm. You know, he just hits a perfect length all the time. Probably attacks the stumps. Has a simple system of hitting the seam and maybe bowling the wobble seam as a variation. But. How has he come out of Pakistan, given what you just said about the conditions? Look, I guess he's worked out his his game or or plans or or, or bowling really well. Because especially surviving on Pakistani pitches with with this sort of pace also, he's not really quick. So it's it's a big, big challenge. Uh, But, you know, he's smart. He's got 300 first-class wickets. Yeah, 20. So so he knows what exactly he needs to do on certain pitches. Even on dry pitches, I've seen him bowl in West Indies also on those those flat pitches, no grass at all. And he kept it there. He just... It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the length, you know. It's, it's a Glenn McGrath kind of a length, which mm. you don't really need, you know, probably a, a, a lot of pace. Uh, you need that, you know, uh, keep bringing the batsman onto the front foot, and that's exactly what he did. Pakistan have no home ground. Obviously, they have to play all their mm. test matches away from home. Mm. And, you know, there's obviously other issues as well around the game, and yet... You keep turning out bowlers, fast bowlers. You were obviously one type with Wazim, but now there are more sort of seam bowlers, but they just have lovely athletic actions and they seem to know where to bowl. I mean, how, how does that happen? 
I, I guess uh, they they like watching in and and watching their uh, the stars and 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 what what they've seen from you know it, it's kind of a tradition i mean we don't really produce too many greats when you talk about batting but yes bowling they they follow uh, if you ask me today who's my who's my childhood hero and who i who i adore when i was growing up was imran khan he was never like me adad no don't take anything away from me adad me adad was a great batsman but yeah that's the way we think in pakistan uh, 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 a kid growing up probably be thinking i want to be with simakram i want to be shoaib akhtar imran khan or so and so i mean so they never think is the thinking mentality i guess and when when you're growing up and you want to be uh, you know fast bowler and, and that i guess in a way it's good that because fast bowling i feel that it's a it's an art and and it's very exciting and and uh, that's why i i feel that we produce more fast bowler than Than, than the batsman. I, I've got an image of Pakistan. The last time I went there, which was a while ago, mm. of all these kids in a playground running into bowl with their shalwar kameezes, mm. flapping <laughs> at the back with a tape ball, yes. just trying to bowl as quick as possible. Yeah, that, it's still the same. There's nothing changed. Yeah, the country has changed. It's become a lot more civilized, a lot more uh, uh, cleaner, and a lot more happening there now. But uh, but yeah, the cricket is the same. They still play on the streets. They still learn from there, and we still pick. fast bowlers from out of nowhere and, and they come and, and they come and deliver i'm like to have a look at fahim ashraf you know for the last 18 months he has just comes out as a, as one of one of the best all rounders we we've seen in the in the modern modern cricket so you know things are really moving and even shadab khan right arm yeah, leg spinner 19 year, year old and in the last psl he was not part of it he was just a playing somewhere in the in the club cricket now it is is a top of the game is learning every day i think another thing which uh, i feel that the you know the talent pakistani cricketers have is is the learning is they they learn very quickly um and and they want to really you know hit the hit the top of the game very early in their career do you think psl's had a, an influence as well yes i'm i'm uh, 100% uh you know we fielding we, things like the fielding has been brilliant hasn't it yeah, yeah. we it's just the uh, fitness what, and things like that because cricket as you said that the last 9 10 years uh, nobody wanted to wants to watch test match cricket back in pakistan to be honest uh, it's just that t20 they want to watch and and that's why you know the new blood came in and then that really helped to sort of uh, you know make the fielding much better i mean these uh, this average age, age is what 22 23 in this in this uh, in this team so i think it, it all it all adds up and uh, and i'm really pleased and happy the way they played this game what a fantastic bowler he was wacko unis and it's funny but you know a totally different sort of bowler to what the ones we've seen here you know he was what you might call an attacking bowler someone who bowled very full or very short tried to hit the stumps or your toes and get your lbw often with painful and terminal results and now they are more traditional style bowlers in a way the pakistanis with that that kind of simple approach fairly consistent line and length maybe fahim the all-rounder is a bit more of an attacking bowler looking to bowl short and quick whereas the others are just trying to find bits of swing and i thought the way they use the angles here at lords going at both ends and just exploiting the way that they can move the ball against the slope as as well as with the slope just unfounded or dumbfounded english batting and made england look really like a rabble well one thing i thought was really interesting about pakistan's bowling is there wasn't much rubbish at on off mm. and actually the leg spinner as well often with the leg spinner you you know you normally get a pie every two or three overs don't you to thrash away for four 
Mm. Shadab doesn't bowl much rubbish, and nor do the others as well, which led Michael Vaughan on Test Match Special to make the point that when we go to Headingley, he doesn't see Pakistan's level, their bowling level, dropping, mm. because it, they just bowl in a very consistent, yeah. economical way. And you think of someone like Mohammed Abbas, he's going to be at you mm. at Headingley as well. So you know, it's going to be tough for England up there. And so what do England do? They, they have to find a way of staying in. It sounds really simple, mm. But that is the bottom line, in a way. They've just got to stay in for longer. And I think that means, in the first session, wherever it is, Lords, Headingley, don't drive the ball unless it's right under your nose. Don't go for big drives. Just stay on the back foot, get forward if the ball is full, defend it, play it late. See, Johnny Bairstow, in both innings, OK, he got two good balls in this game. In both innings, he was trying to drive the ball instead of just, as maybe a Kane Williamson or an A.B. de Villiers might have done, just allowing it to come to him and just defending it until he's got in, till he's got a bit of the measure of the pitch, till perhaps the ball's lost its newness and hardness. You know, the trouble is, without any solid foundation, England are exposing the middle order to a newish ball and free Frequently declining to 140 for five. So the absolute key is got to be those top three have got to stay in at least until lunch. So you think that's the biggest problem that it's England test side have, do you? I mean, the batting's been poor for a while. They haven't been able to bowl teams out and the catching has been poor. But you'd identify that the top three or four is the, the, the big problem. Absolutely, totally. The, the, the runs are a team's oxygen. And without it, they cannot breathe. Bowlers need some runs to play with. England have got good bowlers. They've got Broad and they've got Anderson and they've got others. Probably Wokes should have played here instead of Mark Wood because he's better in English conditions. But they've got bowlers that can exploit helpful conditions with the Duke ball, but they need runs to play with. And England just haven't given them any runs. OK, so what do England do? Let's start just break down England's problems at the top of the order. They've got Mark Stoneman, who has not had a you know great... Test career has not been in good form for Surrey this season. He's he's one of them in that top four. Alistair Cook is either very high or very low. Or admittedly, did about very well in the first innings here, making uh, 70. You've got Joe Root, who doesn't really want to bat at three. And you've got David Milan, who's now in at number four, who did well overseas, did, did well in Australia. But I was talking to a, a county coach recently who said, well, when we play against Middlesex, uh, you know, as a, a county side, we don't, we don't even really talk about David Milan, just bowl properly to him, get him out. Which is an in- incredible thing to say, actually, about an England player. Anyway, there is your top four mm. analyst analyse that. Well, they're not very good at the moment. And uh, <laughs> Cook, I would obviously persevere with. 12,000 runs. Yes, he played well in the first innings here. Looked uh, slightly like his old self. Got a good ball in the second innings. I think he was in the right position to try and defend it. So that can happen against a new ball. You can get low scores. Mike Atherton, I think, has more noughts than anybody else in Test history, or as many noughts. And he opened the batting it wasn't to do with bad batting. It's just the fact that you do get occasional unplayable deliveries as an opening batsman. Mark Stoneman, I wouldn't have in the side. He just looks completely mesmerised, stuck in treacle, doesn't know whether to stick or twist. He can't get a run. He can't buy a run. Got nine in the second innings. He looked terrible. He was lucky to get that many. Uh, I feel sorry for him, but you know, batting, which probably used to be fun to him, now looks like torture. I would put him out of his misery for the moment. And what would you do then? Well, so- I, think, I think I'd go with Nick Gubbins. I just like Nick Gubbins. I know he plays second division cricket, but he's been making runs this year. He's been on the England radar before. I, I, I think he's an intelligent, adaptable batsman. I think he will handle the pressure of opening the 
the batting well. Admittedly, he's another left-hander. It just mm. seems to be left-handers, uh, left-handers central for opening the batting. But there we are. Doesn't really matter that much. I, I would go for him. Keaton Jennings has made a case for himself, but it has been sort of tried. Did look rather mesmerised against Vernon Falander, and Pakistan have got the Mohammed Abbas sort of Vernon Falander equivalent. So. I think I'd go for Gubbins, someone a bit bit different, a bit new, who hopefully will be someone that, that can build a test career from here. I think Root at three is probably in the wrong position. He probably should be number four. Who goes three? Very difficult to say. David Milan... You like a, the idea of another opener, don't you? I, I do like the, other, the idea of another opener. I mean, it's a bit harsh on David Milan just to jettison him after a very good winter in Australia. I think he's a hard-wicket batsman. You know, you, your coach that you mentioned there has a, has a very salient point. He doesn't look as effective in English conditions because he doesn't really move his feet. He's more of a back foot, crease-bound sort of batsman who can battle away, but he doesn't really impose himself. He doesn't threaten a bowling team particularly, except on harder pitches where he can pull and cut the ball and he looks you know, a little bit more comfortable when there's a bit of extra bounce. So maybe they have to stick with him for the second test because it's a bit harsh dropping him, but I think a third opener and route at number four. David Milan... 13 test matches, an average of 20 nights. You have this perception that Milan had a, a, a great winter and he was one of the huge pluses for England, but actually he's, he's still averaging under 30 in 13 test matches. So, yeah, I, I mean, he's got to make a score in, in the second test. Obviously, there's going to be a long time between the second test uh, against Pakistan, which comes up starting on Friday, and the series against India, which doesn't start till August the 1st. So there's two months of time for selectors and, and players to stake a claim for themselves. Not an awful lot of championship cricket in that time, mm. some games, but awful lot of one-day cricket happening in June and July. So it's not going to be an easy thing for, A, players to actually say, pick me, and B, for the selectors to know who to pick. It's interesting you mentioned one-day cricket there because Mark Stoneman you know, could have played some one-day cricket to free himself up a bit. Sometimes you're know, playing in, in white ball cricket where you can actually play some shots, mm. can get you back in form, but the ECB said to Surrey, no, he can't play in, in the one-day cup. And funnily enough, I, I just uh, spoke to Nasser Hussain about it, and I said to him, how many innings do you think you had before you played the first test of a summer and was it important to, to have lots of innings or to make a couple of big scores? And he said, well, you know, clearly making a big score is the main thing because that gets your rhythm and your flow and your, your confidence going. So it's more important to have a couple of good innings than lots of innings which don't produce much. And I said, well, how long would you like a gap between when you were playing county and going into a test match? And he said, not as long as they've been having recently. So nearly two weeks gap between mm. the players who weren't allowed to play in the Royal London Cup between their first last match and this test match yeah. and it, it seems a long time to deny a batsman the chance to just get out in the middle you know when you're in the nets you're thinking about technique you're thinking about your feet positions your bat swing your back lift you're facing a variety of different bowlers a, a tall faster bowler a left arm over bowler maybe a shorter, skiddier bowler. They're bowling with new balls and old balls and somebody's chucking them with a dog thrower. You know, So it's a real mix, mishmash of practice. It's not like a test match where you've got one guy bowling six balls and you walk away from your crease every ball and back in to get ready for the next ball. There's a tempo and there's a, a mentality in batting in test cricket, which I don't think we've practised enough of. OK, so a change at the top of the order for you. Gubbins in... For Stoneman, in, in in theory, what about any other change? I mean, people out there saying, "I'll oh, sack the lot of them, get rid of the coach, get rid of the captain." 
I like the selection of Butler, and I think Butler applied himself as well as anybody in that second innings. In fact, I think there was a stat out on the radio today which said that he was the only guy who performed above his average in this test match. Mm. He averaged 40 in the game, and he played excellent. And, you know, people said, oh, go and play expansively, or probably that's what we were told. We were told he was told. Yeah. But he actually played in a very sensible, very solid, very selective way. Yeah. He looked excellent. What about the bowlers? Wokes back in? Yeah, does I play, does I best stay in? Well, because, you know, Bess has made a claim for himself because he... He batted well. His bowling actually looks fairly ordinary to me. I thought in the first innings he bowled too straight and didn't give the ball enough chance to spin. He didn't pitch it enough outside off stump. I mean, there wasn't a lot of turn, but generally his line was a little bit too straight and they just worked him through the leg side. Second innings, okay, very small toe to play with, but there were some full tosses sprinkled in there amongst one or two decent deliveries. He's a young bowler. John Embry was pictured in the crowd today. He certainly didn't learn to really bowl well until he was 27. Dominic Bess is 20. Yeah. So it's a great experience for him, but I wouldn't trust him, really, to be the only spinner in a team. I think it's a huge ask. Wokes back? Yeah, Wokes back. For Wokes wood? back for wood. I mean, a little bit depends on the conditions. Yeah, if it's dry and barren and desert-like, I think wood was picked in this test because they thought it would get dry and reverse swing later in the game. But England never got the game far enough to allow Wood to be able to bowl reverse swing on a dry pitch. Well, he's also played in the last Test match that England played. They like to be quite consistent. And the other point as well, of course, is that he came home from the IPL to get some Red Bull practice before the Test series, whereas Wokes was out at the IPL and didn't play very it's much. It's chaos, isn't it, really? Mm. If, if you look at it in the, really in the, the light of day, your word, reality... You know, you've got players coming from the IPL. You've got players who've only had four innings before this Test match. You've got some who've hardly made a run. You know, people in slip, different slip positions. So it's a sort of tombola, isn't it? Sort of stick your hand in and take your pick. It wasn't an easy task, I suppose, selecting this team with players all all over the place and obviously England's recent record being very poor. But at the moment, England look at a, a team that just there, are there for the taking. Well, I felt very sorry for the crowd that turned up at, at Lord's for the, what proved to be the final day, the, the fourth day. At least, though, and make sure you do, you can get 50% of your money back, because we only had 16.5 overs. That's how long it took. You were talking about 80 more yeah, runs right. and the t- right. targets of 180. Well, I'm just trying to encourage people to come to the ground. <laughs> you know, and then, OK, if there's enough play, then they get their money yeah, back. Exactly. Very good. Well, I'm sorry that anybody who's disappointed by England's performance, get ready, because there's going to be a few more like this, I think. But yeah. in the end, in time, we might get there. But, uh, you know, don't hold your breath. Yeah, it feels as that we were saying at the start of the game, it feels as if there's, it's, gonna, there's a rocky road ahead. England have got quite a lot of problems to solve, and it's not going to happen overnight. Sorry to leave you with that rather depressing thought, but maybe England can revive themselves and perform better at Headingley. We'll be together to talk to you about the first day of that game on Friday. Speak to you then. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.